Ladies, here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at the uncannyexperience.com. Bum bum bottom, 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 bum bum You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four color realm. In this episode, we're covering the couple you've all been waiting for. Get ready, Elliot. It rhymes with Flark Pent and Boas Gain oh in goodness. our creator corner. We're talking to the producers and voice cast of My Adventures with Superman from Adult Swim. Right out the gate, Lisa, I'm coming out with a hot take. Ooh. DC animation has always been the superior superhero animation. No, no, Brad, that is not a hot take. It's that a hot take. Is, no, I think hot takes means like not a lot of people have that opinion. Oh. I think all of the people have oh, you that mean opinion. Everyone understands that DC animation has always been the superior superhero animation. It's almost as if it's a, a rule of the universe. Last night, we actually screened Batman Mask of the Phantasm at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia, which came out Christmas Day, 1993, 30 years ago this year. During our introduction, we asked the audience, the nearly full audience, like, who got to see this in the theater 30 years ago, and there were none hands. There were no hands. <laughs> I wanted to raise my hand because I did see it 30 years ago at Fairfax Town Center, but I didn't want to brag. I didn't yeah. want to brag. And I bet you went to Tower <laughs> Records right after. I sure did. I sure did. <laughs> uh, you know, that movie came out, and what's interesting about it is it was originally supposed to be a direct-to-video kind of thing. And at the last minute, Warner Brothers said, let's put it into theaters. But in doing that, in making that decision, it became a rush job. And I never thought of it as a rush job. They had eight months to get the whole film completed. But watching it last night, as rad and as awesome as that movie is, you can see why someone like Bruce Timm would not enjoy watching the film today because yeah. there are some serious shortcuts going on. Like, why does that lady have no eyes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had to like reframe the whole picture from, you know, TV, you know, box frame, what I like to call the A24 ratio, and then convert it into like a theatrical widescreen presentation. And you can see like when they stretched it out, it's like, ah, 
you know, it's not awesome. There are some awesome. blurry shots. There's some blurry shots. There's some like weird coloring inconsistencies. There's some perspective that's just like, whoa, this is trippy. That being said, Mask of the Phantasm emotionally is so powerful. And the way that they rework Bruce Wayne's origin and incorporate the Andrea Beaumont romance mm-hmm. is very, very heartfelt and tragic. Yeah, and the killer voice cast, they deliver so hard. Kevin Conroy. Yeah, R.I.P., the best. Dana Delaney. So good as Lois Lane. Not Lois Lane. She will be Lois Lane <laughs> in Superman the Animated Series. Actually, her job as Andrea Beaumont in this film got her the role of Lois Lane in Superman the Animated Series. And, of course, Mark Hamill as the Joker. Just astounding. What a, like an amazing voice talent. So flexible. Yeah, the way that he can go from, like, I'm a Joker, scary comedy, to, like, legit just straight terror. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no one does it better. And Dick Miller, the famous character actor, pops up in it. Abe Vigoda's in this. Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach doing, you know, Carl Beaumont, but also the voice of the Phantasm. Stacy Keach's voice as the Phantasm is exceptional. But again, for me, it's those emotional beats that really work. When Bruce Wayne is at the foot of his parents' grave and he's begging them to let him go of this childish pledge that he made to be Batman and avenge their deaths and say, like, I did not realize I could be happy. Mm -hmm. Like, happiness was never going to be part of my plan. And if there's a possibility for happiness... Maybe I should give up this whole Batman fantasy. This actually thematically ties in really well with my adventures with Superman because love changes everything. When Andrea Beaumont enters Batman's life, he feels like this impulse to be more authentic, more present, more adventurous, like in his like regular Bruce Wayne skin. And throughout the film, Bruce Wayne is saying like, this was not in the plan. Love changes your plan because all of a sudden you have to fit in the hopes and dreams and desires of this whole other person who has their own story. And in those flashbacks, those very Citizen kane flashbacks, when the relationship shatters and mm-hmm. Andrea leaves him, just after he proposed to her and he crumbles and he falls into the plan again, the Batman fantasy. There's that scene where Batman puts on the cowl for the first time Mm -hmm. and Alfred sees him. And this was the first time watching this movie where I realized what Alfred is seeing is not like the terror of Batman, what the criminals will ultimately see. What Alfred is seeing is the death of any happiness Mm -hmm. that Bruce Wayne was going to have. And it's crushing for Alfred. If you watch Alfred's narrative throughout Mask of the Phantasm, he is quietly, desperately pleading for Bruce Wayne to have a normal, happy life. This is what your parents would want. This is what I want. You're a weirdo doing this Batman thing. Don't do this. And then you get to that moment where he knows that he is going to do this. And... It's crushing for Alfred. And then I I felt Alfred's pain in that moment in a way I never had before. Do you know what Bruce Wayne really needed? 
that pink song that's been stuck in my head. <laughs> like, just because it burns doesn't mean you're going to die, Bruce Wayne. You got to get up and try, try, try to find love again. You Lisa can do it. Lisa has been singing this around the apartment for a week. Non-stop. Non-stop. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, because the feeling of heartbreak is terrible. Like, I don't recommend it. It feels awful. But it's not terminal. And I just feel like... Bruce Wayne is just afraid of that big feeling again. Sure, and, sure. And we see at the beginning of the film when Arthur Reeves encounters Bruce Wayne at that party and that one girl with the no pupils. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's, he's surrounded by three women and they're all fawning over him and then one woman comes up and throws a drink in his face because he's a terrible date. He's mm -hmm. a terrible person to these women and being terrible to these women, being terrible to these dates is his strategy. Yeah, yeah, you know? real and, toxic behavior. Yeah, and, and, and I just, I love how Mask of the Phantasm paints Bruce Wayne as this lowly, desperate, tragic, and broken person. Yeah, full incel. Yeah, 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 you know, like, I we hate to throw that word around, but... We have it in our vocabulary, uh -huh. and it's easy to apply to the Bruce Wayne you see in Mask of the Phantasm. And I'm not saying that as a negative towards the film. Yeah, that is, it's baked into the DNA of Batman. He is not rational. He's doing something that is crazy and larger than life based on his emotions. Yeah, I would like to go back to the Scott Snyder virtual introduction that he provided for us. Thank you, Scott Snyder, for doing so. Mm -hmm. uh, he talks about his love for Mask of the Phantasm and how Batman the Animated Series and this film were always exploring the moral choices that Bruce Wayne was making and the struggle that he continued to have with those choices throughout the series. And when the show was working best, it was zeroing in on that internal conflict. Bruce Wayne's righteousness is a toxic impulse, right? Righteousness makes you think like, because I am correct, I get to make choices that impact every single person. Yeah, because I, I can am fix Gotham. Exactly. And I think that it is a challenge for him to always justify what the big choice he has made in his life. And I think that that is the thing that tortures him, basing his life on something that very well may be wrong. Right, 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 right. We've encountered that a lot over the course of our podcasting at Comic Book Couples Counseling. You find characters who make these big choices and then their life becomes justifying those choices rather than revisiting and making new choices. Right. And, you know, like then there is the conversation that you have to have outside of the film, it is a publishing project. You know, Batman must be put out monthly in comic book form. We got to keep making these Batman stories, but that's no fun. It's no fun to get out of the story. We stay in the story of here course, at Comic Book Couples Counseling. Of course, that's where the goodness is. That's where the fun is. And what makes Batman so great is the fresh and new perspectives we can have on asking that same question. Right, which again is what Scott Snyder pointed out to. Like, he is a frame for so many people 
to explore that conflict mm-hmm. and different creators, different artists, different writers, they all come in with new perspectives and with those new perspectives, they give us new Batman content. And then after we watch the film as a community, as film club, we pour out into the lobby and we get to discuss our perspectives on Batman. Yeah, that was so much fun. And, you know, Eric from Four Color Fantasies was there. Four Color Fantasies, of course, co-sponsors all these screenings with us at the Alamo Draft House, And he was selling comics. Mm-hmm. And my favorite moment from the night was a mother and a young girl Aww. coming to Eric to purchase a comic because this young child, she was what, like seven years old, eight years old? Yeah. She got a little too scared by the end of Mask of the Phantasm. Mask of the Phantasm, once Arthur Reeves has been dosed with the Joker toxin and he's laughing maniacally, uncontrollably, Mask of the Phantasm is really creepy. Yeah. And it had bothered her. It really disturbed her. And her mom got the idea of, let's buy some Batman comics so that we can read them together and see that Batman's not actually that scary. And that Batman is always going to be fine. And Batman is always going to be fine. Yeah, she was She was worried that Batman was not going to be good after this right, movie. Right, right. So she purchased the uh, 1993 Mask of the Phantasm adaptation, the comic adaptation that Eric had there. And she also won Scott Snyder's Court of Owls trade paperback Mm -hmm. at the start of the show during our introduction. No, actually, she had won the Wildfires book. Right. And she traded with with the guy who won... The Court of Owls, right, which I think is so fun. He had already had a copy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, they're going to have some fun comics to read together. And it was just so sweet. It was so special. I love doing these screenings. We've done a bunch now. Howard the Duck, Ninja Turtles, uh, Superman the Movie, Lone Wolf and Cub. Now, Mask of the Phantasm. Next month, on July 30th, we're screening Scott Pilgrim versus The World, mm-hmm. one of our faves. In August, well, I probably shouldn't say what that right. film is. It hasn't been pinned down yet. Right. Uh, it is an adaptation of a Dark Horse comic, mm-hmm. which is an interesting adaptation of that Dark Horse comic. And it should feature an in-person comic creator, which we shouldn't talk about. But you should also know that on August 26th and August 27th, Trad Moore will be in town promoting the new Treasury edition of his Doctor Strange comic. So maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, get that weekend on your calendar if you're in the Virginia area. And of course, if you're a patron, don't buy your ticket. Let the Gullicksons know and we'll get your we'll ticket. We'll get you in for free. And all our patrons also got access to that Scott Snyder virtual introduction. They can watch it on their feed right now. And Scott Snyder recommended a bunch of comics yeah, in that he did. intro yeah, he too, did. which was super cool of him. But the main reason we're here today is to review and discuss My Adventures with Superman, the new animated series from Adult Swim, which will also stream on Max the day after the premiere on Adult Swim. Every episode comes on Adult Swim first, then Max next. And we've watched the first seven episodes and we loved them. It is so good. It's asking all of the Superman questions that we love to discuss. Like, who, who is he? Who is Superman? Which, of course, in turn begs the question, who are you? Who am I? Who is Lisa Gullickson? Am I being my true self out in the world? Am I opening up myself to loving and being loved? We're going to steer away from any spoilers, any significant spoilers. 
But I do love how the premiere opens with Superboy, a very young Clark Kent, literally asking the question, who am I? Yeah, and yeah. that moment, I think, immediately attached me profoundly to this show. You know, two minutes into this TV series, that it's one of the good ones, maybe mm. one of the great ones. It is a retelling of the Superman origin story, but rejiggered in a unique way. And I think you have to focus on the title of the show, My Adventures with Superman. Who is the my? The my could be Clark Kent. The my could be Lois Lane. The my could be Jimmy Olsen. And the my could be a few other people too. <laughs> but that my centers the narrative on perspective. Three perspectives specifically. Clark Kent, voiced by Jack Quaid. Jimmy Olsen, voiced by Ishmael Saeed, and Lois Lane, voiced by Alice Lee. And the series has a lot of great action. The series has a bunch of really cool villains incorporated into the story, but it works because of the drama and the everyday approach to these extraordinary events. And again, centering on these three perspectives. In the first episode, you learn that this is a young Clark and Lois. They are internship age, so I'm guessing they're like in their very early 20s. Yeah. And they're both walking to work at the Daily Planet, and Lois Lane is telling herself, today is the day I'm gonna be extraordinary. I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna go after the story. And as Clark is walking to work, he's going, I'm just going to be a normal guy today. I'm just, I'm a normal man going to his normal job. We're just innocent no men, just normal <laughs> men. It's so cute. Jack Quaid is so good in that moment. And, you know, as he's walking to the Daily Planet, he sees like a cat up on a tree. He sees a missing cat poster. He has to go rescue that cat. Yeah, he has like, to reunite that cat with that kid. He's like, I'm going to have a normal day starting now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, there's a cat in a tree. I'm going to save that cat using my superpowers. But then after that, I'm having a normal day starting now. And he doesn't have like full grasp on his superpowers yet. So he's like breaking door handles mm -hmm. off their hinges and things like that. It's so cute. One of my favorite twists is that Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen are peers. They're actually roommates yeah. in this version of the story. And he also has an internship as a photographer at the Daily Planet. The dynamic works that the second that Clark sees Lois at the convenience store, Jimmy Olsen automatically becomes a third wheel to this budding romance. Yeah, and he knows it. Yeah. And he knows he it. He knows and it big time. He encourages it, but at the same time, can feel a little bit estranged from his friend. Yeah, it, it, it works really, really well. And the way that they progress that relationship through the seven episodes that we saw, you know, it doesn't feel like an episode of the week kind of show. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is that because, you know, this villain will pop in and that villain will pop in. But that through line of what's going on between Clark, Jimmy and Lois keeps moving like that's the thing that is very arky. Mm -hmm. That's a word, right? Arky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I do. You know, like in Lost, the long arc was like, what's going on with Dharma? And in My Adventures with Superman, it's like, what's going on with these three? Yeah, yeah. At the beginning of the series, Clark is very much in a, like a, let's just try to hide my Superman-ness. 
He's never been seen. He's never really even put on the suit. He doesn't even really know who he is. Yeah. Or where he comes from. And the second that he meets Lois, and Lois is all about being authentic and all about, you know, you never lie. You are always telling the truth <laughs> to your friends. Clark Kent has to analyze the secret he's keeping from himself. He's like, okay, well, if I'm going to hide this part of my life from Lois, I really have to understand what I'm hiding. And so he ends up going to his mom, going to Martha and saying like, hey, it's time for me to figure out where I came from. Yeah, yeah. And then that sequence and where that goes and how they introduce the Superman costume. And the, I'm not going to spoil this. Please because don't. It's so, it's so good. good. But the way that that costume also evolves and how it evolves. Mwah, there's some real commentary going on. Yeah. there. And that is the thematic thread that ties it back to Mask of the Phantasm. This idea of. This is a person I could love. Now I have to do inventory of all of my life choices to see if I can fit this other person in. Yeah, and it's so satisfying to watch Clark reconsider the choices that he's made. Mm -hmm. And that, again, I think is what elevates my adventures with Superman above other Superman stories, or, or at least other recent Superman stories that we won't talk about. <laughs> and I don't want to get hyperbolic, even though that is something that I'm very prone to do. <laughs> but right now I'm feeling like this version of these Superman relationships, you know, the Clark, Jimmy, and Lois might be my favorite version of them since Superman the movie. You know, like, I'm talking adaptation-wise. Yeah. You know, there's, there are like many... Like, outside of the comics. Outside of the comics. In the comics, there's lots, lots to choose from. But outside of the comics, there aren't a lot of versions that really connect with me or that I recognize as truly Superman-y. Mm -hmm. And I think we get that very much so in my adventures with Superman. And it's... It's obvious that it is made with the most profound love and respect for this character. Absolutely. And also a love and respect for young people who might be watching this show in an aspirational kind of way, thinking, how can I be more like Superman? The creative talent behind My Adventures with Superman is astonishing. And you're going to hear conversations with several of these people in just a moment. But we have Jake Wyatt. Now, Jake Wyatt has worked on shows like DuckTales and Steven Universe. These are brilliant masterpieces unto themselves. They're very heart forward. You'll hear from Brendan Cloger. Brendan Cloger has worked on Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Young Justice, and She-Ra, and the Princesses of Power. Young Again. people are so spoiled with their animation. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll hear from Josie Campbell, the writer of one of my favorite recent comic book miniseries, New Champion of Shazam, where Mary Marvel became the wizard and the Rock of Eternity's number one warrior. It's such a good series, brilliantly illustrated by Doc Shaner. If you have not read it, you need to stop this podcast right now. Go read it, then come back. Don't stop the podcast. We need the listens. They've already listened. We already oh, got yeah, that download right. note. They, that, can yeah, hit, yeah. they can hit pause, Lisa, no problem. Uh -huh. Go read that comic and then return to this conversation. Okay, fine. And what you're going to hear in this conversation with these three producers is their love 
for these characters. As Lisa said, it's so evident that it's coming from a place of warmth and admiration and fandom. The ubiquity of these iconic DC characters allows us to get past the questions that we already know the answers to. We already know what Batman can do. We already know what Superman is capable of. Now we're ready to have the conversation of like, okay, but what can Superman mean to ourselves, to young people as an example? We say that the symbol on his chest means hope. How does that hope manifest itself in our time and in our reality? Absolutely, totally. It reminds me of that moment when Marvel Comics started producing the ultimate comics line. And Mm -hmm. you were reading Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley's Ultimate Spider-Man and how it used your idea, your actually not your idea, it used your history with these characters to manipulate your emotions, Mm -hmm. not through like subversion, but through drilling down, Mm -hmm. digging into the inner lives of Peter Parker, Mary Jane, Dr. Octavius, Aunt May, all those things. And, you know, reworking it. And there's like a lot of fun in seeing how some of these concepts are reworked for a modern audience back then, an early aughts audience. Today with My Adventures with Superman, a 2023 audience. There is fun in that. But again, it's what you're saying. It's about what does it mean to be hope in the world today? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think back to like the Christopher Reeve movies, which we rewatched just recently because we did the screening at the Alamo Draft House, and that was a very confident Superman, and his vulnerability was that oh he had this crush on Lois Lane, and in in my adventures with Superman, his vulnerability is yes this adorable super sweet crush on Lois Lane, but also like. The fact that he is frightened of being different. He is embarrassed by being different. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. I know that I relate to it. And, like, I'm trying to come to a place where, you know, these things that make me different, they really are my superpower. They really are the areas of my life where I can find some heroism. And and for me, also, these superhero stories, they say what they stand for, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this this this... Symbol on my chest means hope. But how often do we see that actually reflected in Superman's actions on the screen? Mm -hmm. And my adventures with Superman follows through with what it's saying. And that's worth celebrating. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And, And right now, you know, hyperbole be damned, I think it's the best interpretation of Superman, certainly in this century, outside of the comics. And that, Brad. Yeah. Maybe a hot take. We have to wait until we get more reactions to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I, I, I you know, I always worry. <laughs> you know, we just had this movie come out that had a tremendous buzz and hype train behind it, and then it landed in theaters, and people were like, "Cool your jets, critics!" Uh-huh. Like this was not the greatest superhero movie of all time. Not to name names. And I don't want to be, you know, the 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 driver of that unwieldy hype train. Yeah. But with this show, I'm on board. Yes. I'm on board and I'm so excited for people to watch it. It premieres on Adult Swim Thursday, July 6th at midnight and then the next day on Max. So be on the lookout and the premiere is going to drop the first two episodes 
And I think if you're a comic book couples counseling listener, you're going to enjoy those first two episodes. Cosign. Absolutely. Now let's queue up these interviews. So you're going to hear two conversations back to back. The first one is me chatting with the producers, Jake Wyatt, Josie Campbell, and Brendan Kloger. And then the second conversation is a bit longer, and that's with Ishmael Saeed, Jimmy Olsen, and Alice Lee, Lois Lane, talking about the pressure mm. of inhabiting these iconic creations. It's heavy, man. It's, it's heavy. It's a huge responsibility. But they might not think so. Oh, really? <laughs> they might not think so. I Lisa. wasn't on these interviews. <laughs> I unfortunately was at work. Bringing home that bacon, which we need to keep this podcast going, unless we get some more patrons. Ooh, that'd be, like, like, people really care. They're like, we really, we really want to make Brad and Lisa's dreams come true. Maybe you do. That's really kind Please, of you. Make our dreams come true. Become patrons. And enjoy these chats with these really rad filmmakers. Here you go. Uh, so I guess where I wanted to start with this conversation is the first two episodes open with Clark asking, who am I? Uh, the first episode in a, uh, you know, like, oh, who am I? The second one in like a, who am I? Why begin our story there? Oh, oh, do you? No, yeah. go, for, go, go for it, Jake. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we had the trajectory that we wanted the characters to be on, right? We knew that we wanted Clark, Lois, and Jimmy to start together and kind of like create each other, like create Pulitzer Prize winning Lois Lane, rock star photographer, Jimmy Olsen and Superman uh, with each other. We, the who am I stuff, I feel like got introduced with normal man, normal day, mid animatic. Cause mm -hmm. we needed to shore up like what, like clarify like what Clark yeah. was about like we all knew it spiritually but we didn't have it fully articulated in the show um and he felt like we needed to make it clear to the audience this is this is what this is this guy's problem because yeah. he's handsome he's got a job he's got a best friend he's got a crush like what is what is this guy missing and what he's missing is there's a whole part of himself that he's kept pushed down oh, and been yeah. afraid to engage and not explored because everything else in his life was uh more appealing or more attractive or simpler yeah. And and once we found that, we were like, oh, this is it. This is this is the theme of who Clark Kent is, is somebody who, you know, in our version, he's not given answers. Like it's not nothing is handed to him on a plate when it comes to his background or who he is or where he comes from or why he can do the things he does. So this question of like, who am I? I mean, as you expressed in all iterations, does form Clark. He yeah. is somebody who what he's missing is that sense of like both halves of me have a reason and they're together. Like I before when this story starts, he's the bifurcated man. He's kind of torn in two directions in this series is him finding figuring out that identity and weaving those parts of him together. And it's it's Lois and Jimmy's question too, right? Yeah. They, they don't have like an alien past to reckon with, but like Lois has a person she wants to become and doesn't know if she's going to get there. Jimmy has questions he wants to ask the world and doesn't know if he's ever going to get them taken seriously. So they, it's, it's we have Clark saying it, but it's, it's everybody's theme yeah. for the first season. Well, Lisa and I, my wife and I, we were watching it last night and we were kind of struck by the title of the show, you know, My Adventures with Superman. Who is the my of that <laughs> title? And it could be all three of them. Or you. Yeah, or, or the or, audience. Or That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, basically that that is that is it. It's it could be all three of them. It's it's Jimmy, it's Lois, it's also Clark's adventure with figuring out who he yeah. is. 
and you know we've we've given props to the executives before of like this was the title because we were like figuring out what the titles were this is how they brought in and at first we're like i don't know about this but like the longer we like sat with it the more we're like yeah it's it's literally everyone's adventures with superman including clark he's having these adventures to figure out who he is as much as lois is having adventures with him as much as jimmy as much as other characters also does kind of sound like an anime title it does. Uh, totally we had we had some joke titles uh around the time the execs told us this was going to be the show we were coming up with gags yeah Josie's my favorite it's no need for superman adventures with my heart yeah and <laughs> spiritually for me that's the show title <laughs> amazing josie i was reading an interview that you did uh-huh. um i can't remember i'm, I'm gonna miss who who you were chatting with but you were talking about Superman, the movie being mm. your North Star, uh, your, yeah. your guiding light. Can you, ex, you know, extra, you know, expand on that idea, or maybe you can bring in some other North Stars that also contributed to this? Yeah, I mean, you know, with with the uh, '70s movie, I mean, a big part of it is that relationship with Margot Kidder, Christopher Reeve, like that. Lois and Clark is so integral to us because it's like she's the fast talking witch. She's funny. She's kind of the aggressive one she's pushing things in one direction and like you know reads uh like uh superman is such a different person than clark his clark is so funny like his clark is like so unassuming so like that dynamic of like this unassuming guy who has all the power and then this woman who acts like she has all the power even though she's a frail <laughs> mortal big deal for us and i mean sort of going along with that uh the fleischer cartoons were huge for us actually <laughs> Uh, and, you know, Jake's laughing because I bring them up at, in the writer's room constantly. I love them. I as you should, as you should. And like, you know, and again, it's that, it's that, that dynamic again, especially with Lois of being like, there's like a cartoon where she's like getting chased by mobsters because she's like gone after this like story. She's on a train. She shrugs and picks up a Tommy gun and yeah, exactly. Starts firing back. You know which one. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's the vibe. That's the vibe. Like Lois and Jimmy are jumping into trouble. Superman is saving them. They're equally a part of this. <laughs> it took till season two, but the Give Lois a Gun campaign finally did come through. <laughs> all right, yeah. all right. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, for us, like Superman is the superhero and it's the reason why we haven't covered the relationship of Lois and Clark on Comic Book Couples Counseling yet because it's just so immense in our imagination. Uh, you know, Can you just like real quick, give us what Superman means to you and what it's like to contribute to such an icon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go, I'll go first. Um, one of my earliest memories is drawing a picture of Superman while watching the, the Donner movie um, on my parents' living room floor in Marker. It's terrible. It's not recognizable as a human being. Um, but he, he represented this like aspiration so there's a lot of power fantasies, right? Like Conan the Barbarian is a power fantasy. Like there's a lot of that. But the aspiration of Superman was to more than power, right? It was to to goodness. Like he's everything good about us and yeah. as a strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I loved that. And what we wanted to do way back when Brendan and I first started talking about it, what we wanted to do was bring that to a new generation of children um, and give like, boys and girls and children of all ages something to like look for in Clark and in Lois like set what's great about humanity and we tried to have Clark and Jimmy and Lois like embody different facets of you know what made us kind or what made us brave or like Jimmy what made us curious and open Mm -hmm. um and I'm 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 very grateful to be able to be a part of that yeah 
Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, the, one of the first comic books I ever read was Death of Superman, uh, which like, A, great, amazing. Uh, but B, like coming into it, it's, I, I think the thing that I took away from it was that Superman is not just a character. Superman's a whole world. He's a whole way of being. And like, especially when your first <laughs> comic with him is like, he's dead now. Uh, I think what was so striking for me and why like I loved him was like the impact he had on the world around him. Uh, and it's so clear in that story. It's so clear in other stories of like, he really does make the world a better place and people try to fill that hole. Um, but like, ah, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like what Jake said, you know, adding to the legacy of a hero who embodies what I personally and morally think is what is heroic that you are a powerful person who uses that power for good for helping people that's huge yeah and, and sort of piggyback on what both jake and josie said for me it's really about creating a role model that i had growing up through the character and then i think uh superman should be again is someone that you can look to aspirationally if you sort of have implicit power and sort of show you a way to use it that is based in kindness and compassion well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Lisa and I, last night, just watching all the episodes, we were in love with it. We think it's one of the best adaptations of Superman that we've had in a long time. Thank you. The romance is so good. It's so good. So thank you for that as longtime Superman fans. Uh, thank you so much. Awesome. That's the best thing we could hear. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Brad. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ishmael, Alice, can you talk a little bit about contributing to such an iconic universe, 85 years of Superman, you know, and, and what does it mean for you emotionally? And what what do you think you're contributing that's new to the franchise? It really doesn't hit you until after, you know, like, obviously, you go in, you go into it knowing that this thing has, you know, been been around for 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 years, you know, even before me. And you know you've you've seen every single iteration and rendition of it. You know, growing up loving it or growing up having your opinion about it, whether it fits the lore or, or not. Um, but for me, I just I went into it just trying to have as much fun as possible and to kind of like bring the character to life. You know, get putting my spin on it and putting putting myself in this character. So people could possibly relate to it and, and enjoy it. Obviously, from your, you know, um, uh, from what you said, you, you've enjoyed it and I, I appreciate that. So I think that's what I, I, I tried to do, you know. Um, I don't necessarily feel pressure, you know. Um, obviously, people are gonna have their opinions on, 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 on it, regardless, good or bad. But at the end of the day, if you just, for me, as long as I know that I did my best and kind of brought an essence to this character to life uh, in a different way that hasn't been seen in the past. I mean, that's all that kind of mattered to me, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I, I do hope people will enjoy it. Yeah, and I agree. I think um, having fun with the character and it's so iconic, you know, Superman, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen. And so um, also trusting the process and, you know, they're all younger. They're in their early 20s. And so I think that was also different bringing this youthful, enthusiastic energy lighter. I think there's more joy in our show, um, just them as humans and um, their relationships with each other. I think that's super important. And I love that our show highlights that. And 
yeah, I also just wanting to bring my own flavor, doing whatever version I feel Lois is. And then hopefully, yeah, the fans love it and there'll be new fans. I think, I think the fans will love it. I think there will be new fans. One of the things that my wife Lisa and I responded to is that it is very much a relationship show. Like it is an action show. There's lots of cool stuff going on to it, but it is about Clark, Lois and Jimmy. And it's, it's the three of you, which was kind of like the delight of the discovery of this show is it's really all three of you. It's not Clark's story. It's not Lois's story. It's not Jimmy's story. It's all three of you. Yeah. And I feel like that's so important because also in life, like you can't do anything alone. You need your friends, you need your loved ones. And I think it gives the show a lot more depth as well. Um, getting to know each of the characters because they balance each other out. Like they're one would not be the same without the other and the other. Um, and they're a team. Yeah. And they're, they're completely different. So like, you know, what mm. she said, like you, you're, 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 you're being thrust into the, you're watching one show, but you're being thrust into the world of everybody of what everybody else is going through um, um, in the episode, which is which is really dope. Um, you know, it's kudos to the writers for really fleshing out the characters and you know making everybody very specific and you know in terms of each each episode and yeah, everything kind of came around full circle. So, and each of you has a Mitch a mission. Each character has a mission. You know. Jimmy has Flamebird uh, trying to expose all these insane things that the you know the government and the system doesn't want us to know about. Uh, that was so much fun. Uh, Ishmael, could you talk a little bit about like tapping into this new side of Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, I mean it was very it was very easy because I low key uh, yeah. am a conspiracy theorist myself, so uh, I would I will I'm known to go down the rabbit hole of uh, YouTube videos and. You know, look up ancient uh, alien history uh, and things like that. But so it was very easy. It was very easy. Um, but you know, I'm glad that this is a new version of Jimmy that people are seeing. You know, uh, like you said, like we haven't seen that before. So it's it's it it, it humanizes them in a bit because you know it's like totally. everybody has their thing that they're into, and hopefully people will see this as oh wow this. Jimmy's into this and I'm into this. And even though I'm into this quirky, weird thing, it, it's still, it, 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 I think people will kind, of, will kind of relate to that, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah, I think with like Jimmy, often he is rele relegated to being the sidekick and yeah. isn't really given wants and desires too often within the comic books. And so that was just like a, like a, a little bit of a shock and uh, a surprise that I think fans of the character are going to really appreciate. Yeah, he definitely he definitely has his, has his own thing going on. You know, I think uh, the, the him being the psychic is you know just the caveat to who he who he is um, as a as a full person, so to speak. You know, yeah. Um, see him fall in love. We see him you know get into uh, his little uh, tips with with Clark. Uh, we see him even you know grasping the idea that he may he may be losing his friend as the third wheel between uh, Clark and Lois. So we definitely see him go through his, his stuff in the show, which, you know, like, like people do every day, like you go through the ups and downs in life and, you know, it, it just humanizes this, uh, this character. So. 
And Alice, Lois's mission is somewhat more familiar to longtime fans of the characters. You know, she wants to be the star reporter, but we're getting to see her at a place in that journey that we don't often see. You know, she is an intern now. She's been at the Daily Planet for a little longer than Clark and Jimmy, but not much longer. So to see her kind of at this, at the just the beginning of, of this long saga she's going to have is really exciting. Yeah, I think it's super cool and it's something we haven't seen before. And you kind of see where it all started, you know? Um, and I mean, I love her passion. Like she really wants to change the world with her work and journalism. And I think that's why, you know, she gets along with Clark and Jimmy, like they all have the same mission in a lot of ways, right? Um, it's to do good. And yeah, it's cool to see this youthful version of Lois and to be voicing that youthful version. Um, she has a lot of energy. She's super excited and she's quirky and funny, you yeah. know? So I think that's cool. And I love her haircut. She's super cute. <laughs> uh, and also has a great wardrobe all season. I know. Yeah. She yeah. looks great. I'm like, Lois is so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing about this is it's relationship forward. It's romance forward too. The, the the romance between Clark and Lois is like the driving force of this series for me. Yeah. I think it's so sweet and refreshing. Um, and it's not all like dark and brooding, which I think a lot of superhero things can be. Um, so to focus on like the lightness and the love and like the cute, awkward things, you know, like that's real. Yeah, um, and yeah. both being vulnerable with each other. And even with Jimmy too, they're all, they're able to be vulnerable, which I think is important. Can you talk a little bit about connecting with Jack Quaid and you, uh, your relationship? You know, how do you make that work? I mean, I also, I, I met Jack, we met in passing one time as we were recording. So, but before then we, we weren't acting together. So- <laughs> It's amazing. I know, I know, but it, it uh, I mean, but I've also, I heard his voice sometimes, like before I did my lines, like if he had recorded before me. And so I can kind of play with that. And I'm sure he did the same. But I think, yeah, I think the natural chemistry is there. And luckily, our director and our producers, um, the writers, they were there on the Zoom with us. And so they were guiding us and giving us notes based on what they wanted and what they knew the other person was doing. So, yeah, I'm just really grateful that it turned out so well. You used the word earlier in the conversation, joy. And I think that is like the big theme. I don't, it's not a theme, but it's like, it's this, it's the umbrella that, that this show sits under. I mean, it is such a joyful series. And I think it is a interpretation of this universe that a lot of fans have been craving. Yeah. hundred percent. That's why I love it. You know, because yeah. Who doesn't want to see good, good vibes. Right. I mean, obviously there's action and there's all the figuring yourself out and your relationships, but at the end of the day, you know, it's about joy and life is about joy and figuring out your stuff while feeling that joy. Right. And I think we've seen so many interpretations of superhero stories over the last couple of decades. And we, we start to think like, oh, we've seen everything like, oh, you know, especially like Superman, 85 years of comics, you know, uh, movies, TV, cartoons. But then you get something like this. And I think it does honestly depict the characters in the world in just enough of a unique angle that it feels fresh 
without feeling, you know, without feeling alien to, you know, pardon the pun, but without feeling alien to the rest of the interpretations. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the good thing. Like you, you're able to grow with these characters, you know, um, especially like when it's shining a light on their, on their relationships. And so even with that, like you want to see like, oh, well, where are they going to go from here or how are they going to settle this or whatever, whatever it may be. But, uh, you know, I think that's the beauty with, you know, a lot of uh, uh, superhero uh, themes and things like that. Like you, yes, it was created, you know, X amount of years ago, but, you know, uh, it, it gives um, the creators or the writers or whoever wants to do their, their take on it, it gives them uh, just the, the open field to put their vision to it and kind of relate it to um, other people in that specific time frame, so to speak. So, um, you know, it's it's dope. It's really cool. What do you want audiences to get out of this series? Like if, if there was like the one thing you would want them to pull out of My Adventures of Superman, what would that be? Uh, friendship. You need friendship. Doesn't matter how strong-willed you are. Doesn't matter how smart you are, how rich you are. You know, you can't you can't navigate life alone. And you know, although Superman is the strongest man in the world, he's he can fly. He can you know shoot lasers out of his eyes. There's still a vulnerability about him. There's still there's he still has um, um, his things that he needs to get over that he can't necessarily do by himself which is why he, he oftentimes um, um, relies on his friends to kind of, you know, to kind of pull him through, you know, and then vice versa. So um, I think, I think for me, I, I, I really want people to, to get that, to, to get that theme out of it, that uh, friendship is, uh, it's very important. You know, we all, we all need friends, no matter, no matter who you are. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think you can't do anything alone in this life. And even someone like Superman, who's a superhero, like he still needs, his people, you know, his family, his friends. And yeah, I feel like I had something else I was going to say. Um. <laughs> well, you know, as a reader of this character for as many, so many years, and as a viewer of, I think, I think I've seen every interpretation of uh, the Superman characters on screen. Uh, I always find something in there, in these stories that I need at this moment. And I think that's what's so special about Superman stories in particular as the originator of the most, you know, aspirational superheroic stories. They tend to be delivery systems for morality, ethics, you know, life lessons. And I'm curious as actors who inhabit these roles, do you find these stories living on with you in some way or do you pull life lessons out of these out of this experience well i feel like well i remember what i was going to say earlier also like about heroes right and like superman is hero but i think our show and yeah this is what i'm learning it's like everyone's a hero in their own right right like you can do you can make a difference um and wanting the world to be a better place as like cheesy as that sounds like that's a goal of lois that's what they all three of our characters want and i think that's possible in every day like it doesn't you don't have to be a superhero to do that you don't have to have superpowers, you know? So I feel like I get that from the show. Like I want to be as cool as them, but you know, and be as kind and be there for each other as much as these characters are there for each other. And yeah, be a better person. <laughs> uh, 
<clears throat> I, I guess I would say just be yourself, you know, and and gravitate towards the people that like you, you know. Um, I think even with Superman, you know, he's this grandiose character who who saves the day, but you know, there are still people who fear him and, and hate him, even though he's he's doing good, you know. And then, you know, even his friends who know his real identity, they they love him, uh, even if he wasn't Superman, they love him as Clark Kent. So, you know, I think a lot of times we, we try to live up to these um whatever whatever it is that society puts on us, but you know, as long as you like yourself and love yourself you know i think at the end of the day that that's that's all that matters because you know you can't really please everybody you can't save everybody you know but you know what you can do is save yourself and you know just be a good person at the end of the day and you know um that energy will kind of attract like-minded people so um yeah i think that's that's a that's a that's a takeaway i get from uh yes please yes please well thank you so much for taking the time to chat uh, jimmy lois and uh, superman with me today uh, like i said i really really appreciated the show and i think it is really special and stands apart from other superman stories and i'm excited for the rest of uh the fan base to uh get to it okay thank you so much And there you are. Our thanks to Jake Wyatt, Josie Campbell, Brendan Kloger, Ishmael Saeed, and Alice Lee. And of course, Warner Brothers for setting up this conversation. My Adventures with Superman premieres on Thursday, July 6th at midnight on Adult Swim and the next day on Max. Please give it a watch. And after you do, let us know if you think it's as awesome as we do. Yeah, we're going to totally rewatch as the episodes premiere. And you'll probably see some tweets. Yeah. Lisa, what did you think of those conversations? Did I do you proud even though you weren't able to partake in them? You always kill it. You're such a good interviewer. I'm so proud of you, sweetheart. You know, doing film and TV interviews are so different than comic creator interviews because one, there's a publicist always on screen with you. Yeah. Right? They're they're paying attention and they're making sure that you're not going to spoil any (laughs) of the things that they told you not to spoil. They give you this whole list of things like, Don't talk about X, Y, and Z. Big hall monitor vibes. (laughs) Big hall monitor vibes. And then they're short, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're talking to so many people in one day. They're like, you get 10 minutes with these three producers. And I could have talked to each one of those people for an hour, right? Right. But we only had 10 minutes. And then the second interview, the one with Alice and Ishmael, I thought I was only going to get 10 minutes. But when I got on, the publicist was like, I, I think you got 20 minutes with this one, Brad. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I had only come up with like 10 minutes worth of questions. <laughs> and I, I was like, all right, let's do it. And then I just kept on going. I kept on going until the publicist texted me and said, you got you to gotta get off the line. 10 minutes with two people it's, it's is rough. still it's hard. really tight. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you thought I did an okay job with them. And I think I did an okay job with them. And I also want you, the listeners, to let me know that I did an okay job with them yeah. because I need those words of affirmation. Yeah, thirsty. So we have a lot coming up before San Diego Comic-Con. We leave for San Diego on July 18th, and we're going to drop a ton of episodes before then. We have a Red Sonia celebration talking to Shannon and Luke Lieberman, who are not only the creatives working behind the scenes on those Red Sonia comics, but they 
manage the Red Sonia license. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting chat that we have with them about that responsibility. We have a conversation with Rob Williams talking about his new image comic series, Class War. We have a conversation with Tyler Crook talking about his new Dark Horse comic series, The Lonesome Hunters, The Wolf Child. And we have to finish up our Mark and Eve counseling session. I'm so stressed now <laughs> that you've listed all of the content we have to make before we leave. I'm really excited though, Lisa, to conclude our Mark and Eve counseling sessions, talking about the final two trade paperbacks of Invincible. You still have not read the final two trade paperbacks of Invincible. No, I'm really, I'm approaching this very tantrically. I'm just kicking that can <laughs> down the road. Are you worried for Mark and Eve? I am terrified. Okay, you should be. You should be. You should be. I'm very excited to conclude that four-episode arc on Comic Book Couples Counseling. It's going to be a good one. Okay, Brad, I actually have to go to work yet again. Um, I'm just going to hop into this phone booth and change into my work outfit. Sounds good. Where can our listeners send the words of affirmation to you? You can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show posters, send them to Karen Charm at... Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Ooh. Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to get exclusive, Ooh. you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. Including a Scott Snyder virtual intro to Batman Mask of the Phantasm. That's right. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky Ooh. at CBCC Podcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to do an act of service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? We're fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Yeah. Are we ever going to fix our air conditioning, Lisa? Nah. It's so hot in here. <laughs>